Hello and welcome to this episode of The Rent. I'm your host, Shaton Legwa. Thanks for tuning in and let's get right into it. That was the voice of Honorable Mateka, the Minister for Finance and Economic Development, addressing members of the press and the general public on Botswana's response to COVID-19 and how it is going to impact the economy. In this episode of The Rent, we will delve on what the post-COVID world will look like for the average working person, especially for those in Botswana. What are the prospects that lay ahead from a collective bargaining perspective? And what are the prospects of job creation looking like going forward? So my concern about the post-COVID world has to do more with the, the labor market. How is it going to look like? And how should we possibly prepare for it? So let's uh, get into, into it. I think before we go any further, it is important that we put uh, everything in context that it needs. Uh, recently, uh, McKinsey, uh, one of the prominent uh, uh, observers of the markets and they do a lot of research on world economies and the likes, uh, warned that Africa, especially Sub-Saharan Africa, is going to lose close to a third of its jobs. Uh, McKinsey estimates that there are around 450 million jobs in Sub-Saharan Africa, and uh, the post-COVID world is going to shed, the post-COVID economy, rather, is going to shed close to a third of uh, the jobs that currently exist. That is, by any measure, frightening. That is worrying. And it's something that we should take really, really seriously and think about. And according to the McKinsey report, uh, the retail sector is going to be the one that's, that's hardest hit. And if you look at our statistics in Botswana in terms of uh, sector sectors of the economy that employ a lot of people, 
uh, it is the retail sector that's where you, within the former sector that's where you find a lot of people being being employed so it means that Botswana won't be spared from from the effects of COVID-19 going forward. We are already uh, feeling the heat, but I have a feeling that, not to be an alarmist, I have a feeling that uh, it's going to get a little bit hotter in the kitchen. So we need, we need to prepare ourselves for that reality and eventuality because it is not a question of if, it's a question of when. And with as with every economy, it is difficult to pre, to predict how the economy is going to react. How long will it take to recover? It can be fast, it can be slow and painful and harrowing. So we don't know yet what, what uh, the future holds for us. And... In the press conference uh, that Honorable Mateka uh, held, he intimated that Botswana's economy is going to shrink by thirteen by around thirteen percent, while the world economy is going to shrink by around three three percent. So, if there is no growth, basically it means no new jobs. Uh, no no new jobs in the sense that the economy won't be able to add any more jobs more than it already has and what is more probable uh is it is more likely to shed jobs than to to add new jobs into the into into the fold and also one thing that we need, that he said that we need to really take heed of and pay particular attention is the fact that the mining sector is going to drop by around 33%. That's, that means government, the government's purse is going to be, to be impacted in a very, very major way. And it's something that, if it happens, is going to really hurt uh, Botswana's, Botswana's economy. You will remember that Botswana uh, trades and is dependent on a luxury good, being the diamond. And in that case, As the world economy is shrinking, that means the demand for diamonds is going to be lower. That means the gov- the government coffers obviously are going to be impacted. So it is a new reality that we need to familiarize ourselves with. Some of you will remember the post uh, the financial crisis world uh, after the 2008-9 financial crisis uh, you will remember how the the fall the fall in diamonds uh, and on the demand for diamonds impacted our economy so we are back 
to a similar sort of setting. He also said that the hotels and restaurants sector is going to is going to drop by almost thirty two percent, and it is one of those uh, sectors of the economy that employ a lot of people. So we should really, really, really be concerned because that means probably job losses are imminent and also the manufacturing sector is going to drop by by 10% and we already have a tiny in terms of gdp we have a, a tiny manufacturing sector and with with an undiversified economy so that means the prospects for job creation are quite low and as we go on with this episode we will see more of what this really really means to 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 the economy to to the person who's who currently has a job especially those who have precarious uh, jobs in nature and what uh, the prospects for the graduate who is trying to join the job market so and also during uh, honorable mateka's press conference he intimated that government has taken a decision to defer salary increases that means already we are already starting to see uh, the effects of the COVID pandemic and uh, public workers are, are, are the first to feel the, the effect, even though we are in the, we are still in the COVID-19 era. Actually, I might be wrong in saying they are the first because uh, there are people who have pro- probably followed once uh, the shutdown started because their employers uh, couldn't afford to keep them any longer. Uh, you would, uh, would remember that within, within this statute that, uh, that was passed, to, to, that was enacted, to govern the uh, state of public emergency, companies are prohibited from uh, following employees, but that is just uh, a temporary thing because once we get out of the uh, state of public emergency, we are going to see everything unravel. If the economy doesn't recover within the six months, or when or before that we are going to see a lot of people losing jobs especially in the manufacturing sector and in the in, in the tourism sector and the restaurant sector so we need to keep that in mind moving move, move, moving forward so 
one thing that I'd like to bring to the fore is what are trade unions to do moving forward? You remember when uh, I introduced today's subject, uh, I, I indicated that we are going to look at the, uh, the post-COVID world from a collective bargaining perspective. So if the economy is shrinking, that means technically not everyone is not making money. The economy is not expanding. So what are trade unions to do? How do they shift their, their strategy? When the government decided to freeze uh, or to defer uh, salary increases for public workers, already you could see from newspaper reports and news reports in, in, in the country that there is a little bit of tension brewing between trade unions and government. So some people may feel that uh, trade union leaders in insisting that public servants be given what was agreed at the bargaining table are unpatriotic. And to some person, it might be a valid argument. To another person, it may not be a valid argument. And I'm not going to deliberate on whether such a position is valid or not. But the point I'm trying to get at here is that trade unions now have to rethink how they do collective bargaining. They have to rethink their strategies because, as the minister said, it is business unusual. So that means uh, maybe it's time for trade unions to start agitating for different things while the country's economy is uh, recovering because uh, anything that is going to add into the wage bill me things is going to be difficult to attain and we also from history we always realize that uh, capitalism tends to reorganize itself after a, a crisis that impacts the economy. So what we realize in the COVID world is that human-to-human -human interaction uh, affects businesses negatively. And there was a recent article, I think it was on the Weekend Post, where we can post at the Sunday Standard where uh, the former MP in Dabakaolate intimated that we are going to see a shift towards uh, technology. There's going to be heavy investment in technology to minimize that human-to-human -human interaction that affects uh, businesses. So I think that is one thing that would really 
that is one fascinating thing that would come out of the post uh covid covid world so i would think this whole thing uh brings us to the old almost decade old debate of what is the future of work and and the likes i would advise you to go to the iolo website and read uh most of their literature on future of work and what they view its prospects but i think from a collective bargaining perspective uh now is the time for trade unions to put the financial incentive part of their job on a back burner and start agitating more for the retooling and reskilling of their members before they become obsolete because we know where new jobs are going to come from we know some people are going to be rendered obsolete and if you don't want those people to lose their jobs it's time to ensure that they have the skills that are needed in the new era so to say of the world of work so you need people if possible to be skilled in coding because that's where most jobs are going to come from and generally the IT sector IT skills rather are going to be key so trade unions should really 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 focus uh not on salary increases but on the retooling and reskilling of their members to ensure that they remain relevant uh in the in the job market and also on top of that they need to agitate for a change of education policy to ensure that the education that uh, uh students have either at primary school secondary school or tertiary is geared towards the economy that we are headed towards uh uh it skills should be prioritized at school to ensure that we produce people who are relevant to to the economy we can't afford any longer a skills mismatch uh, in our country we have heard over and over and over again that what our education system produces and what the economy needs are two different things and i think trade unions should advocate that for for that type of education that is job market relevant because they are advocating for potential members so uh, so trade unions needs to reevaluate how they do their collective bargaining and their advocacy and uh move away for a while from agitating for salary increases and 
move towards our skills skills uh de development so i think that is one thing that we need to uh, to look at and as i've also have already stated we are faced with a situation where the job prospects are are dire we are going to see if the economy doesn't grow that means we can't get more jobs so consequently it means that as the civil society uh we need to talk to 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 motivate our government to establish policies that will be geared towards creating jobs from a macroeconomic uh, perspective we need to see our government uh, adjust its macroeconomic policies so that they are geared more towards uh, creating jobs uh, than savings uh, economists know that you can tinker with your exchange uh, policies with your interest rates uh, to ensure that more more investment goes towards job creation to ensure that uh, it becomes more attractive and more profitable to invest in manufacturing and other tradable goods than in savings so it is very imperative that as we leave the the covid era into the post covid era uh we have policies that are responsive and are geared towards creating more jobs so uh adjusting our micro economic policies would in my view take us there and i think that's where all civil society organizations if they have research uh, funds they should uh, direct their funds there to come out with position papers that they can then uh, submit to government to say looking at our economy this is where we think is the best uh, way to move forward and ensure that we create new jobs and also in from the perspective of how do we get more jobs i also think it's time that we break with convention uh botswana normally adheres to a neoliberal kind of thinking and i think it's time that we break with convention and do things the way that developed countries uh did it before developed countries became developed the state led the industrialization uh process especially when government realized that the industries that they wanted to nurture 
there was no uptake either by uh, foreign direct investment or from domestic investors that no one was willing to stake uh, their money in that industry. I think it is the responsibility of government to invest in that industry, uh, to kickstart it, to put in place measures and policies that would ensure that the industry is nurtured and grows and becomes competitive within the domestic and the international market. What I'm saying is not fiction. I know it is unpopular uh, amongst the neoliberal thinkers, but if you follow the history of economic development, uh, you would find that uh, governments in today's developed countries, that's what they did, that's what America did, that's what England did, that's what Germany did, and these countries are called uh, the champions of free trade. But if you look at the dirty history, it tells you that the only champion for free trade in those areas of the economy where they felt competitive and where they didn't feel competitive, they put in trade barriers to, to, to protect their uh, local industries. And it's, it may be unpopular, but it's something that we should consider and tinker with it a bit because we can't do it the way England did it in the 1800s and America did it in, in, the, in the 1880s or thereabout. We can't do it. And for, for a bit of perspective on how this worked, uh, I think if, 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 if you look for, for writings by the Korean economist Ha Jung-chun, Chang, Ha Jun Chang, uh, you would find that uh, he there's a book titled Kicking the Ladder by Ha Jun Chang. And if you read that book, it gives you a history of how developed countries became developed and how the Asian tigers got to where, where they were. And I think we can take a few tricks of their book. Uh, adjust them to the needs and dynamics of today because we can't go full-blown uh, uh, protective. So we need to tinker a bit with our policies, our industrialization policies, and invest. And I also think government, after this, even though we are going to have challenges with money, I think there should be a focus on uh, infrastructure development, uh, focus on on that part, put money, more money on that, and choose those projects that would add value to the economy and provide avenues for creating uh, new new jobs. So we are going to need uh, state intervention going forward to create jobs. 
we can't go back to the neoliberal liberal kind of thinking that shuns state intervention in the economy. I think we need uh, state intervention in the economy this time around. If you look at America, they are doing something that is antithetical of America. They are on a massive scale giving people handouts uh, for those who lost jobs as a result of COVID-19. And ordinarily, American, the Americans would shun and they shun the idea of the welfare state. So you can see that the post the COVID era and the post-COVID era is going to require uh, an orthodox thinking in terms of how we structure our policies and how we try to, to resuscitate uh, our, our economy. So in the end, in conclusion, uh, to close this episode, going forward, uh, trade unions needs to rethink uh, their collective bargaining approach and focus. They need to focus on skills development because a focus on, 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 on salary increments, anything that adds to the wage bill is going to be uh, resisted and almost impossible to achieve. So they need to focus on other things that can enhance the value of the impl- of, of their members and keep them relevant within the job market and also for reform in the education sector for their potential future uh, members. Lastly, government needs to break with with neoliberal thinking they have to break with orthodoxy and do and take an orthodox approaches to resuscitate uh the economy so for me those are my two cents on how the the post covid-19 world is going to to look like Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Hopefully I'll post another episode soon. And stay safe, stay at home, wash your hands and protect yourself by listening to all, all advice from the medical professionals to keep you safe from the, from, from, from the coronavirus. Thank you.